Welcome to Chowder and Grits. Today is Monday, August 26th, and we have got your week one preview. We just came out of week zero, had two games for you. Um, we don't know how they how they went yet because we are recording this early, but uh, we're going to save our recaps for after week one, bring you everything all in one episode. Got a great episode today talking to AJ Black, BC Maven. Uh, we are previewing that Virginia Tech Boston College game. Uh, but first off, if you're joining us for the first time, we are Chowder and Grits, the podcast for ACC and Hokies football. I'm Justin Cochola alongside Tim Hurth. Tim, it's week one, baby. It's here, finally. Well, it's not yet, but it's also here at the same time. Uh, time travel is a wonderful thing. I am ready for football, man, and I'm excited. Yeah, it's um, it's just getting to that point now where... I don't know what day the games actually start this week. I don't know if there's like a random like Mac Tuesday night game. Right. Uh, but Thursday night, I feel like, is like the big kickoff to the college football season. And just For sure. a number of games going on. A ton of games on Friday. A ton of games on Saturday. Some games on Sunday. And then the Notre Dame-Louisville game on Monday, which is kind of, kind of a letdown to, uh, to a weekend of, of football. But yeah. Um, yeah, it's 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 going to be a fun one. So, you know, the the fun part about it, Tim, is we've got ACC games, conference games in week 1, and I think that is uh all because of the ACC network. Yeah, uh, may it live long and prosper. Um not to get star tracky, but yeah, the ACC network, man, is going to be a great thing. Uh, you know, I'm excited for it. I think it launches in our time that we're recording right now. I think it launches tomorrow. It does. Um, which I'm kind of excited about. I'm going to get my fill of West Durham, which you can't get enough of that guy. Uh, great voice, uh, knowledgeable guy on the ACC. It looks like they're going to have a lot of guests in the studios tomorrow. Um, but, you know, more ACC content. As if you and I weren't bringing uh, the airwaves enough, uh, they're going to start pumping it out too. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I find it convenient that the ACC network uh, launches right after, you know, we've uh, we've gained a foothold on ACC country. Mm-hmm. So they're just trying to build off our momentum. I, I see how it is. It makes so. you think. It makes you think. We've got the uh, the southeast in a vice grip right now, and um, you know, if you take a shot at the king, you best not miss. So we're in a situation now. So like, I'm in vacation mode, getting ready to go on vacation, and. Now I'm starting to wonder, I'm like, you know, I'm going to be in Denver next weekend. Well, the place that I'm going to watch the game, are they going to have the ACC network? Now I'm panicking. I've got it at my house, but does where I'm going have it? Probably. Well, okay, that's a great question. I mean, you imagine they would have the SEC network, right? That feels like a nationwide thing. Well, it is. It is. Okay. But the, the negotiation rights of the ACC network haven't really gone as ah, planned, true. at least with your Comcast and your Xfinities. It's still on like DirecTV. I don't know if it's on Dish yet. That's a good point. I don't think it is. I don't think no, it is. I, I think, think I would have so. heard that. Um, so, but I did hear about the hang up with the local cable companies in some areas down here. And that to me is strange. If you're a local cable company um, and you're already losing to cord cutters, uh, it's really a bloodbath for cable companies. And you're not doing everything you can to make sure you get that contract right to uh, display and, and to get the rights to the ACC network. What are you doing? Yeah, no, I don't know. It, you know, it, and it's I don't really know how those negotiations work and how much more a month we're paying on our bills because we do have the ACC network. I do know that if you have ESPN, you're paying eight dollars if you have cable. Per month for ESPN, and if you don't have ESPN, you're paying eight dollars per month for ESPN. So, you know, everybody's kind of giving these cable companies a bad name, but at the end of the day, it's the ESPN that's driving the train, and I'm not sure how much they're charging for all of these networks. And I'm sure that's kind of part of the uh, the challenge to to get these onto providers. But at the same time, it's an industry you got to adapt or die. Uh, we're yeah. in a age of streaming. If you're Comcast and Xfinity, you're losing customers right now that I'm not sure you're ever going to get back. So yeah. that's yeah. kind of a uh, a shame for them, but you know, is what it is. Lesson learned. It's weird. I couldn't imagine my life with cable again. I mean, I cut the cord over a year ago, and I I literally prefer uh, the cord cutting lifestyle to the point where I literally could never go back to cable. It's just so so you're a, you stream games then. 
Yeah, oh yeah, YouTube TV, man, is just incredible. The quality is better. Uh, the resolution is better. It, it's just, you know, it, the interface is so much better than that dated uh, cable guide button that you have. It's it's crazy how different and better it is. So consider this. I have YouTube TV. gives me access to all the ESPNs, all the regular sports channels you'd have through cable. I've got ESPN Plus, which basically covers every other sport you could ever imagine. Um, not a big deal for you. I'm a huge soccer fan. I get every MLS game out of market, in market, doesn't matter. Uh, for $5 a month, ESPN Plus, just a ridiculous deal. Um, so, you know, I'm sitting pretty, man. Uh, you know, I got Hulu Plus, all of that for maybe around, you know, 60 bucks at the end of the day. And that's less than what I was paying to have a cable package with the same channel. So, uh, no-brainer, man. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, I, I think that's where people are, are going. That's where the industry's going. But uh, either way, hopefully you have the ACC Network. Hopefully you'll be able to watch the uh, the games this weekend. So, uh, next week we are going to start our two a weeks, I guess is, is how we're going to refer to it as. So we're going to start, uh, bringing you two episodes per week. Uh, normally it'll drop on, uh, probably some point Sunday, um, as far as a, uh, recap goes. And then Wednesday we are going to, um, aim to release the preview for the upcoming week. Uh, so our goal is to, uh, to have some guests throughout the year, probably not every week, uh, but we're obviously going to have guests um, focused around the opponent of Virginia Tech, um, and then in the bye weeks or maybe in a lighter week, let's say when the Hokies are playing Furman or Rhode Island, you know, we might have a uh, a guest around another program just to kind of check in, see what's going on, maybe preview a big game that week. So, looking forward to the season. Uh, you know, we got this started at the end of November last year. So we really missed last football season. So, uh, you know, we're primed and ready to go. This is kind of the, I guess it's kind of the inaugural season of the Chowder and Grits podcast. So, uh, you know, bear with us. Listen along. We appreciate you, uh, you know, being with us over the summer, uh, struggling through those those months without football. But uh, But we're just about here. So... We have A.J. Black on from B.C. Maven. We're talking about the Virginia Tech-Boston College game, and then we also give you picks for all of the ACC games coming up this week. So let's go ahead and jump over to that. All right, we welcome on A.J. Black, writer and creator of the website B.C. Maven. A.J., what's going on? How much? Thanks for having me on, guys. Absolutely. Glad uh, glad you're here so why don't you tell us a little bit about bc maven and uh you know what your role is and how you uh how you came to get that started sure so uh as you as you said i'm aj black i was a writer for years for bc interruption which i believe you had on uh, a couple weeks ago you did Um, yep i was their football editor for years but um i got this new opportunity to work for maven maven is a company owned by the guys that used to run scout and rivals uh, they started their own company after they got bought out, and uh, they've been, you know, grabbing different writers for different sports to create their own Maven. So there's like a Bama Maven, there's a Georgia Maven. I started BC Maven, um, and what's really great is um, recently they bought the digital platform for from Sports Illustrated. So all of our sites are going to be up on SI, um, in within the next month before the uh, start of the college football season. So. I have a convoluted URL right now, but it'll be a lot easier to find when you can go to sportsillustrated.com and just click over over to that. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Be sure to check that out. I've been uh, been um, been on there just kind of trying to gather content for BC. So um, obviously, you know, we uh, we've got the football season rapidly approach approaching, and just for uh, you know, for all intensive sake, you know, we're recording this on August fifteenth. So what we talk about today could change by the time that this uh, this airs during the week one of uh, of college football season. So kind of bear with us there. But, you know, I don't think the Hokies are going to change too much. You know, just a couple of uh, announcement around starters. You know, hopefully both teams kind of stay healthy through training camp. But, you know, BC and Virginia Tech, AJ, we've got kind of a uh, colorful rivalry. Um, you know, it dates back to 1993. And uh, for those that really don't remember the Big East days, like it was it was a pretty big rivalry. And um, it really kind of peaked about 10, 12 years ago uh, when both teams were in the ACC. 2007 is really what I'm talking about. The Matt Ryan era, uh, the Jeff Jakodzinski, 
the uh, the nightmare the nightmare game in Blacksburg for Hokies fans, the miracle game in Blacksburg for BC, and then two consecutive ACC championship appearances against each other. Uh, maybe just talk about that a little bit and kind of what your experience was on the other side. And, you know, do you think Boston College will get back to that point anytime soon? So, uh, yeah, I was just out of grad school at that point. So I went to BC for grad school and I remember watching, uh, the Matty Ryan game in 2007 at Blacksburg. Yeah, me too. (laughs) (laughs) Sadly. Yeah. And then, you know, that was such a, a great game for BC and it was, you know, as a fan for years, it's probably been the high point. It's probably the pinnacle of where our, our team has been. And then from there, it kind of started gradually going downhill. I mean, obviously, a couple of weeks later, we lost to Florida State in a big game. Then we lost to you guys in the ACC Championship, made it back, lost again. And then it's been, you know, ups and downs from there. But the peaks haven't been anywhere near as high. Um, I, You know, looking back at it, uh, a lot of BC fans were pissed off, and rightfully so, about the Jeff, how uh, our administration handled Jeff Jagodzinski. Um, but he's become almost like he's like he's viewed as what what could have been the savior of BC football, and I think that's a a, a bit of a stretch. Um, you know, he was a great he was a good coach for what we had, but when you have like an all an all school uh, quarterback like Matt Ryan, you have Dana Bible, who's a pretty solid offensive coordinator there. And then you had all this talent around him. Of course, he's going to do well. Now you look at what happened to Jags after he left. You know, he got fired from the Bucks as an offensive coordinator because he couldn't learn a playbook. And he's now coaching, um, I believe, in Division Three as a wide receiver coach. Last yeah. thing I checked, or, or, or no, you know what he's doing? He's an offensive line coach in the XFL now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. There you go. Yep, that's right. Uh, for Bob Stoops' team. I forget which team he's on, but Dallas, Dallas, whatever the Dallas team is called. Yeah. Yep. He's in the XFL now. Uh, So I think, you know, he ran into some, uh, you know, fool's gold there. He got, got real lucky. Um, And then from then, you know, we ran into Frank Spaziani, who was awful. And then Adazio, who has become the seven win wonder, you know, he's had five seasons, seven wins. He had that one year in 2015 where we had an insane defense, but no offense at all. And so I think fans are just kind of at that point now where it's like, is this going to ever get any better? I mean, set, you know, going to bowls is fine and winning seven games is, you know, not losing more than we win. But we want to see them, you know, get a higher plateau than seven wins. And I think sure. this year is going to be the year that we're going to be like, is this going to happen or is this is this it? Yeah, so maybe let's talk about that a little bit because, you know, we've, we've done a couple of episodes now on Boston College and – you know, we're getting ready to do our ACC preview. And, you know, I'm just not super high on the team this year. And, you know, they, they lost 13 all ACC players last year, um, off of last year's roster, I should say. And even with 13 all ACC members, a team that started seven and two, and granted, we don't know what would have happened in the bowl game that was canceled, but still only managed seven wins. Like I'm kind of seeing five and seven on the horizon for BC. Like, are you a little bit more optimistic? And if so, why? I am. I think seven and five is back to where I'm going back to that. And I, I get where you're saying with the, with the, um, you know, the, the all ACC players and we lost a lot of talent, uh, but I can get into each position. Why there's certain positions where I don't think it's that big of a deal, but I think, I think there's two X factors that are going to be a, that were huge last year that really, you know, screwed BC over, which was A.J. Dillon had a high ankle sprain from like week four onto the end of the season. He was never back to the way he, he played in 2017 by the end of that year. I mean, you know, when you saw him play against like Louisville in 2017 or some of those big games that he had, um, he, he was breaking arm tackles. He was, you know, took three or four guys to take him down. Last year, he'd get hit at the line of scrimmage and that was it. Um, so he, I think losing a guy like him and having to deal with you know, using Travis Levy and, and Ben Glines and guys like that as, as your starting running backs, so it's fine. But having, a, I mean, A.J. Dillon, when he's healthy, he's a Heisman candidate. He's not like a huge Heisman candidate. He's not going to win it. But Right, you know, yeah, he was not, in the conversation last year before he got hurt. Yeah, mm-hmm. so if he can stay healthy, I think that's going to, you know, cover a lot of those, um, those areas where there's going to be problems. And I think, 
the problems aren't going to be the offense. I think the offense will be fine this year. I think Anthony Brown probably will take another step forward and be a serviceable ACC quarterback to, to decent, to good. I don't know what he's going to be able to do. Um, and I love, I, I, I'm high on the offensive line. I was talking to my co-host of my podcast the other day, and we were talking about how BC, I think, has been able to continue to build offensive linemen. Um, they've got a couple guys that are coming back that played last year. Ben Petruba was an all-ACC uh, lineman. He's good. John Phillips was ranked the top uh, guard in pass protection in the ACC last year. They got them. They got Tyler Vrabel. They got a bunch of guys coming back on there. Now, if you want to talk about my worries, what I'm worried about BC, it's on the other side of the ball. Sure. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, I, I did um, do a, I've been doing a lot of uh, film research this summer um, for this website called We Played. If you ever get a chance to check it out, um, it's a really great site where you get to watch old games and, and, and like make highlight reels and stuff like that. I mean, what I watched and what I saw was, was I mean, you watch it as a fan. You watch the BC games. You see Zach Allen and you think, oh, he's a good player. But, man, when you're, like, looking for it, every single play he's in there, and they don't have him this year. You know, he was a second-round draft pick to the Cardinals. He's playing, starting the night for the Cardinals. They lose him. They lose Wyatt Ray, who's another one. Uh, three out of their four defensive linemen are gone. Um, and that's worrisome. And the guys that they're talking about they're going to fill on the slots with are not like blue chip recruits. These are guys that are raw. And so I'm worried about that. I'm worried about what they have at the defensive end position, what they have at defensive tackle. Yeah, and so it's okay. it's not a it's not an easy matchup in in week one either, because you know, for all of Virginia Tech's issues last year, you know, they do return quite a bit of experience on both sides of the ball. Ten guys on defense, six guys on offense. You know, they're gonna have a pretty high powered offense. So, you know, what do you what do you think as far as BC being able to kind of slow that down and you know I think BC's offense is probably going to be better than the defense which is odd to say this year um, but do you think they can keep up with the team like Virginia Tech in Week One and then of course you know throughout the year if they play a team similar you know I think the big so I was talking about the defensive line and I, they're a big question mark and I'm not sure what they're going to be able to do. What I want to see is what what what's ironic to me is the position that Adazio has really been good at has been something that BC has not been good at historically in terms of producing NFL talent. That's defensive backs. I mean, it's been like one after another they've produced. You know, John Johnson, Isaac Yidem, uh, Cam Moore, and Justin Simmons all are NFL on NFL rosters now. Um, and now they have Brandon Sebastian, who had that big interception against uh, Tech last year. Um, but it, it, that's a position that's going to have, you, you know, you're talking about returning starters. Three out of the four guys on that on that side uh, in the defensive back, they're relatively new. They, now, they've played. All, you know, if you listen to Adazio, he'll tell you all these guys have played. But they, you know, it's all situational stuff. It's at the end of games where it's blowouts. So it's not like big-time games big-time moments, but, you know, you got Tate Haynes, who's going to come in. Uh, he's Mike Haynes' son, uh, who's an NFL Hall of Famer for the Raiders, who's a quarterback. Uh, you have Mike Palmer. These guys have all had some experience, but in order for them to, 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 to you know, to be able to hold their own against a guy like, you know, uh, you know Virginia Tech or, or any of these offenses that can put up points, these guys have to learn pretty quickly, and I don't know if they can or not. I got to see it again. This is one of those teams that, you know, you either believe in them or you don't. Um, but I got to see it to believe it at this point. Yeah. Right. So, you know, Virginia Tech over the last few matchups are, are three and one against Boston College. Last year was obviously the, uh, the year that they lost at home. And, you know, Virginia Tech wasn't the Virginia Tech of old. But kind of just looking at last year's game, you know, it was uh, – it's not like it was a dominant performance by BC. Did pretty well rushing the ball. Had about 219 yards on the ground, which was probably like below average for Virginia Tech's defense last year. I mean, it was that bad. Um, total yards, it was about the same. You know, what do you think this year with a more experienced Virginia Tech team and a far less experienced Boston College team, what do you think the top three keys to the game are for Boston College? So – I think getting the defense off the field is going to be a key. Um, whether they can stop Brian, 
they could stop your quarterback. I'm totally blanking right now. <laughs> Ryan Willis. Ryan Willis. I had it on the top of my head. It just doesn't matter. Yeah. No, Ryan Willis. If they could stop him, I you know he had his moments against BC last year. Yeah. And whether that defensive secondary can make some plays, they you know he he made throws last year, but it was that interception by Brandon Sebastian at the end that kind of sealed it. Um, if they could, if BC can make that kind of play again, um, and hopefully that offensive line gels enough that uh, Anthony um, Anthony Brown and AJ Dillon can start making some plays as well. And, and kind of dictate the play of uh, the play on offense, that would be a good sign for BC. So I would say, you know, let's play the secondary, getting some stops, and establishing the run, and hope that Virginia Tech struggles against the run like they did last year. Yeah, and I mean, as far as uh, as far as offensively, like, what do you expect from Anthony Brown in this game? Because he's he's a guy now. He's he's entering his is a junior season, right? And, you know, got some question marks on the offensive line, although I think you'll be pretty solid at offensive line. You got a really strong running game. The receiving group maybe leaves something to be desired. You know, what do you what are you expecting from from those two units? Um, I actually am pretty high on the wide receivers. We did lose Michael Walker, who's on the Jaguars now, and Jeff Smith, who's on the Jets. Um, and they were both, you know, good speed wide receivers. But I think there's some good athleticism at wide receiver coming back. Kobe White um, had a big game last year. Uh, he's coming back, and they have a true freshman. I think that's going to really open eyes. His name's Zay Flowers. He's a kid from Florida. Um, who's, uh, you know, from what I've seen and heard about that practices, he's dynamic. He's going to start day one. Uh, he's got really top end speed. Um, he'll probably be a kick returner, punt returner as well. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if he, you know, jumps in and does a lot of the the end arounds and kind of the trick stuff that um, BC is known for now with Daz. Um, so I, 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 you know, you got him, you got Kobe White, you got a couple of, TJ Lewis is a big, tall kid. Um, and he's going to have to take a big step forward too. You know, last year he's like six three, six four, and BC never has wide receivers at, at that size. Um, good size, but had a big issue with drops last year. So if he can get that under control, he'd be a good weapon too. So, in terms of, you know, long answer, short, uh, short answer, long, uh, with Anthony Brown, it's all going to be based off of where his progression has been. He had moments last year where he looked like a like an all-ACC quarterback. He lit up Wake Forest. I know they're not a great defense, but he threw five touchdowns against them. Uh, he looked great. And then you had moments where he looked like complete crap. He played against Florida State, and, uh, you know, I was just watching that game again last night, and he was missing reads everywhere, and he had trouble – uh, dropping his passes in. Um, so the, the BC's got a new offensive coordinator, Mike Bajakian. He worked with Jameis Winston at t- Tampa. Um, his, you know, he talked at, a lot at Media Day about his big thing that he was working on was working with Anthony Brown. He's a quarterback's coach and working with him on his accuracy. So if, if that's the way they can, if they can get him to that next level with accuracy, I think Anthony Brown could be a really good quarterback. I like the way he plays. He's got a good head on his shoulders. Accuracy has always been an issue with him. So if that that changes, um, that could be, make him a pretty good quarterback and, and make that deep, that offense, uh, you know, even more dangerous than it started to become near the end of last year. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, for me and Virginia Tech, you know, one of the keys to the game is, you know, how do these defensive backs match up against this wide receiving core? Because I think if you look at Virginia Tech's safeties, it's actually one of their stronger positional groups on the field. You got Reggie Floyd, you got Divine Diablo. You know, you're probably going to have Khalil Ladler or Shamari Connor in the uh, in the whip linebacker position playing that kind of uh, DB linebacker hybrid. But it's really the corners that I'm, I'm most interested in just because they struggled uh, so much last season. And, you know, we assume Caleb Farley will be back, but he hasn't been named a starter. Um, and then you got a bunch of guys who, you know, either haven't had a ton of experience so far on the field or, you know, returning from injury, you know, with uh, with Webb coming back from two Achilles injuries and uh, Javon, um, Javon um, Quillen, who is, you know, one of the guys competing for the other position um, at cornerback. So, to me, that's one of the the big keys to the game is is how does the Virginia Tech secondary hold up against, you know, a not the strongest group of receivers that they're going to face all season. So that's going to be one key. 
And then two, and maybe even the biggest key is is the defensive line, the Virginia Tech defensive line against uh, AJ Dillon. So Dillon's a guy who, you know, he was banked up for a lot of last season. You know, in last year's game, he had 96 yards on 20, 24 carries against the Hokies. He uh, he didn't exactly torch him, um, which was you know surprising for this unit last season. But this defensive line has basically an entire. You know, I can't say an entire new look. You still got guys that were starters last year, uh, but they were just very inexperienced, still very young. Some of these guys are still very raw. So um, really the defensive line and the the corners are what I'm most interested in watching. If they can get off the field, I'll be pretty happy. Offensively for Virginia Tech, Tim, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel pretty good about Virginia Tech's offensive ability against an inexperienced Boston College uh, defense, at least initially kind of heading into this game. Yeah, I mean, if you're Boston College, obviously, I think that's what you're concerned with. Um, the strengths don't match up well for Boston College. Uh, you know, it's an interesting thing. At Boston College last year, we, we talk about the stout defense, but statistically speaking, Boston College's defense was kind of in the middle of the country, maybe 50 to 70, somewhere in that rank. Um, and I wouldn't say that they're looking better this year. So you're going to be looking at maybe a 60th to 70th ranked defense, so certainly a middling defense, which is not what Boston College is used to uh, trotting out. And you're going to be dealing with a Virginia Tech offense that should be vastly improved, uh, in my mind. So it'll be tough. I think the biggest weakness we've kind of already talked about, or at least the most concerning thing, I think if you're Boston College, is the amount of talent that you lost uh, in the defensive backfield. Um, and, and that has to be concerning, given that this may be the best crop of wide receivers they face all year with Virginia Tech. So another element to this game that I think will be something to watch is we don't see these two teams play this early hardly ever so it's usually like a october maybe like a late september game you know so the weather's going to be different it's maybe not going to be as much of a factor you know i'm expecting bc to have a pretty full crowd it's the home opener um maybe just kind of talk about the environment at boston college and kind of what you expect and um you know your uh your boston college counterpart uh, Patrick Toppin from SB Nation had mentioned that, you know, he thinks Alumni Stadium is one of the top three most difficult places to play in uh, the ACC. Would you agree with that? No. Yeah. <laughs> but I think, so we thought about it a little bit. I think it is a difficult place to play from the standpoint that, you know, it's late October, early November, it's cold, it's raining, the stands aren't that full, it's a very quiet crowd. I think that can take a team, especially a team that's used to like a, a little bit more of a larger environment, kind of out of their game a little bit. It kind of lulls them to sleep. At least that's what it feels like watching it on TV. I mean, that could be it. I, I I'm, you know, it could. And you, you, you know, you mentioned like what the stadium going to be like. It could be busy. It, it, BC fans are so fickle. It's, uh, you know, the opening game. It's against Virginia Tech, so that should be a positive in terms of attendance. But on the other hand, it's Labor Day weekend, and our fans are just going to go somewhere else and do something else. So right. I, I don't know what they're going to do. I don't, you know, uh, it could be, it could be dead. It could be, it could be thumping. Um, you know, the games that BC has a good home field advantage are those night games. You've probably seen a couple of those red bandana games that BC. Oh had. yeah. Oh, yeah. We played Miami last year. We beat them. We played Florida State the year before. Beat them. It was the big USC game a couple of years ago. Um, that those state. That's when it gets rocking and it's a small enclosed stadium. So I could see when those games get a little bit a little bit tricky. But the I don't know. I, I I don't really buy into the whole BC's hard to play in some of these day games. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it really just depends on the day. And the weather for me, like, like if the weather's, if it's cold and rainy and quiet at the stadium, I think it is a tough place to play. Otherwise, no, I don't just, but I think, I think you're going to get BC. You, you know, you used to Virginia Tech playing BC later in the season. And the last time you came, it was miserable. Um, It's is this is early. It's going to be like summer and it's going to be hot. It's got, you know, you have the turf. These first couple of games, it's miserably hot in there. So that could be something too. Like it gets even as a fan, you have, you know, tailgate, you have a couple of beverages. It, it, just sitting there, you can feel the heat those first couple games. I can't imagine. That might be tougher for the players, too, because it gets pretty warm in there. So you're not going to be eating chowder at this game? 
No. <laughs> uh, so funny story. I'm gonna get off a small. I I've had tailgates, and BC is a is a pain in the ass to tailgate at. Um, you had to pay like an absor- like a huge amount of money to tailgate. But as a young alumni, when I was first there, it was pretty cheap. You could get like good tailgating. My family would go. We were not allowed to bring chowder to any tailgates because every time that we brought tail, uh, chowder, it would spill somewhere. So we had it at one point. We spilled it all over the front seat of the car. So like creamy. Oh god. Oh no. Everywhere. Oh. And then another time, we it was our like main dish for our tailgate, and it went every, like we forgot to close the tailgate on it and drove away, and it was chowder everywhere all over the street. We had no food for the tailgate. So at the black tailgate for years, t- chowder was a no go. Oh man. Yeah. 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 Some hot chowder in the car. That that can't be good, man. That's yeah. got to be awful. <laughs> and you didn't have no. stuff to clean it up, so we had to leave it there for the entire game. Came back. Oh it was, man. Oh, <laughs> All right. So we're gonna pick this game in a second, but first, uh, you know, something we want to do over the uh, course of the season is pick the uh, the ACC games uh, of the week with uh, with our guests. So if you're ready, uh, let's go ahead and go through some of these games. And, you know, we don't have to go too in depth here. It's just, you know, who do you think is going to win and maybe a brief statement as to why. So uh, first week is kind of spread all over the place. It's really spread over the course of like a week and a half. But Miami and Florida open up the season Saturday, August 24th in Orlando. Uh, AJ, who do you got? I got the Gators. I think they're, you know, they're a more experienced team. Miami's going to take a little while to get their system in place. They're going to be on quarterback. I'm going to go with the Gators. Tim, I feel like you're on the same wavelength. Mm, I'm actually going with the Canes. I think the Canes have something to prove. They're going to be hyped to play for Manny Diaz. The main reason is they have that fantastic defense. I think one of the best defenses in the country going up against Felipe Franks. I know the uh, it kind of serves the same purpose. If you look at the other side of that coin, there you know the Gators are thinking the same thing. Uh, given the fact that quarterback play at Miami hasn't been great, I'm not expecting this game to uh, be high scoring. I'm also not expecting to see a lot of great quarterback play, but I'm going to take the Canes in a tight one. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with Florida uh, for two reasons. One. You know, neither offensive line is strong, and I think that's going to play more so to a disadvantage for Miami with a uh, a guy making his first career start in Jaron Williams. Uh, not a huge fan of that. Defensively, you know, I think Miami's super strong. I think Florida's fairly strong as well. So I just like Florida a little bit better overall than Miami at this point. And I really kind of just want to see Jaron Williams in action before I put too much stake into what I think Miami's going to do offensively with him this year. So um, let's go on to the next game, Georgia Tech Clemson. I'm pretty sure we're going to have Georgia Tech across <laughs> the board on this one. Yeah. Uh, do we need to make a statement or can we just end discussion right there? I nope. think we can probably just move on. Uh, okay. Utah State Wake Forest in Winston-Salem. Ooh. AJ. All right. I'm going to go with Wake Forest. I'm buying on them this year. Um, I like the, the team that they got. Uh, down in Winston-Salem. Um, I, I I think they're going to score some points. I love Kate Carney. I think he's a good, court, uh, good running back. Uh, their defense oh, yeah. is t- their defense is t- uh, definitely deep as well. So I'm going to go with Wake Forest. And the spread three and a half, I think they're going to win by more than that. Yeah, yeah. I think my uh, ACC crush from Eric Dungy has just moved on over to Kate Carney for this year. So <laughs> Kate Carney, man. Um, I think uh, I'm also on the Wake bandwagon. It seems like a lot of people are, though, which kind of concerns me a little bit. But um, I think they'll be solid, um, and I think they win this game. Tim? Yeah, I, I think they do. I think that spread's got me thinking uh, that Utah State's got a real chance in this game. Uh, I'm not going to profess to be some kind of expert, but they typically have a fairly good offense. Um, we'll see. I, it's early season Wake, right? So it's kind of a crapshoot. Uh, but I, I really am a believer in Wake Forest this year. I think they're going to be at a solid football team. Surprise, another solid football team under Clawson. Um, but yeah, I'll go with Wake again and maybe a, a one touchdown game. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, part of the line might be at this point, we just don't know who's going to play quarterback yet for Wake. So I think that might sure. be playing into it. Uh, East Carolina at NC State. Tim, why don't you kick this one off? So a lot of people think this is going to be a complete blowout. I'm not so sure. Uh, Mike Houston, ECU's no, new head coach from James Madison University. Um, 
really lit a fire under this team, I think. And, and, and they really want payback for the embarrassment that happened at the end of the year for them. NC State really laid it on thick last time they played. Rivalry games are a toss-up. You know, anything can happen. I do think NC State's going to win, but I, I certainly don't think it's going to be the blowout many expect. I'm going to go NC State and maybe a, a two-score game. AJ, what about you? I'm going to go with NC State. Um, you know, I know they're going to have a new quarterback, uh, but that defense is going to keep them uh, well, well, comfortably here. Um, I, I don't think it's going to be a huge blowout, but they're going to win comfortably. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I think Tim's being a little cautiously optimistic here. East Carolina, I don't care who their coach is this year, they are still a disaster. Um, you know, it's nice to come in and present a fire, but if you don't have any coals, it's not gonna stay hot for too long. So, you know, NC State, I'm not sure they're gonna blow anybody out this early in the season. They've got some things to work out on offense, so uh maybe closer than I expect, but I'm still gonna say they win by twenty four plus points. Uh let's see, Duke at Alabama. Yeah, do we need to talk about this one? Oh, we're an ACC podcast here. I don't know. You know, we okay, got well, we got to start rooting for the home team a little bit. Well, we can root for the home team, Tim, but or the <laughs> the neutral side, Tim. It's not about our rooting interest. It's about expectation. Yeah. Uh, Duke and Quentin Harris, they're going to have their work cut out for them. And in this one, it's a pretty rude awakening to a very new look Duke team. And uh, I don't think it's going to go too well down there in Atlanta. Yeah, sadly not. But it'll be nice to see Duke uh, compete for maybe five minutes, uh, and and we'll get a look at uh, what they have going on at the very least. Although, yes, that is a tough way to break in a new quarterback. Uh, South Carolina against North Carolina in Charlotte. Uh, This is... um... I'm not going to say it's a super interesting game. Like South Carolina has got a very difficult schedule this year. If they can't beat North Carolina, it's going to be a long year, um, especially on a neutral site. So um, first, uh, first game under Mac Brown, you know, hasn't named a quarterback yet. Again, we're doing this on August 15th. I would say signs are probably pointing towards Sam Howell, the four-star wow. quarterback. So um, North Carolina is going to have some growing pains this year, I think. Uh, but I, I think, Jake Bentley and uh, and the Gamecocks find a way to win this one. I'm going to agree with you on that one. Um, I, I, I'm interested to see where North Carolina goes this year, but, um, you know, they're going to have some, you know, some growing pains, as you said, and South Carolina is uh, more, much more talented at this point in the game, so I'm going to go with them. Tim? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's it's the Gamecocks. Um, you know, if this was a game we were talking about in the latter part of the year, it'd be a lot different. Um, but it, it just it's going to be hard to pick any quarterback that's going to be uh, breaking in, especially if it's uh, Sam Howell in this case, who you know uh, may or may not be ready uh, in prime time. But you know, we're going to go with the Gamecocks on this one. But you know, it it'll be fun to see at least what uh, the return of the Mac has in store for sure. Uh, Syracuse at Liberty, kind of a weird away game for Syracuse, um, having to travel to Lynchburg, Tennessee, or, uh, <laughs> Lynchburg, Tennessee, Lynchburg, Virginia against the Liberty you Flames. You got whiskey so, on your mind. Yeah, exactly. Um, but you know, I don't think, uh, Syracuse struggles in this one. It will be kind of interesting to see how Liberty plays just because they do play a couple of ACC teams this year. And, you know, that program isn't necessarily uh, the rug that it has been over the last few years. So I think they're playing a little bit better, but I still expect Syracuse to win this game by multiple touchdowns. I Yeah, I agree with you. I think Tommy DeVito is going to be the real deal. I think he's a good quarterback. Um, you know, uh, Dino Babers has got that program in a good spot. I think it's only a matter of time before a bigger program comes in and, and takes him away. Um, but I think this is going to be a big year for Syracuse. I think they're going to take care of business. Syracuse should take care of business, right? I mean, there's no reason they shouldn't. Uh, that offensive system alone, whether or not they're breaking in a new quarterback, uh, should be too much for them to handle, especially in what the Flames did last year, if you're going to project forward. It's just it's a weird road game to start. I mean, that, that's just a really weird place to be. Um, first, you know, the first game of every season for any team is a little strange. So maybe a little bit of a, a weird upset alert vibe going there. I would still pick Syracuse. But, I mean, there, there's a chance that there's just some wacky stuff that happens in this game, and the Flames make this really, really close in, in a way that they probably shouldn't. Uh, but I'll go with Syracuse. Yeah, no, I get what you're going at there. It's it's definitely something that I could see happening. It's just not very likely. Um, 
Okay, Boise State, Florida State at a quote-unquote neutral site. This game's in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, AJ, what are your expectations here? I'm going Boise State. I am selling hard on Willie Taggart. I don't, I don't think he's long for Florida State. I don't think this year is going to be all that. I, I, I feel Florida State's going to be a team that's not going to finish 500. Why not go make a bowl again? Uh, the quarterback situation is a mess. Um, you know, they're they're struggling in all positions. I don't see them being uh, all that great. And Boise State, every year they seem to have, you know, a couple guys that step in and make big plays. I'm going to say they're going to do it again this year. Okay. That's a, that's a hard sell on Florida State there from you. Uh, Tim, what about you? Yeah, I'm kind of a not as hard of a sell, but I'm also on the sell side of Willie Taggart. I, I am going to pick Florida State. I, I think that the uh, the new look offense that Kendall Bryles is going to install is going to bring some tempo that that offense very badly needed, um, and and kind of get rid of some of the disorganization that they struggled with last year. Uh, the one caveat is hopefully the offensive line has improved. You would think they couldn't do much worse than they did last year. Um, so as long as they band together and at least play a little bit better as a front five there on offense, I think they're going to get the win there. It's just too many athletes on uh, the offensive side of the ball, especially a wide out for Boise State to deal with in my mind. Yeah, I think I think Boise State is going through a little bit of a uh, reset, you know, new quarterback, new running back. You know, those guys are gone this year. Brett Ripon and uh, Alexander Madison. Uh, I think that those are two big losses to have to address in the first game, traveling all the way across the country in a relative home game for FSU. I'm not super high on Florida State this year. I do think they probably get back to a bowl. I do like James Blackman. I do like their skill position guys. I don't like their offensive line. I think they've got a couple of question marks on defense, but just overall, head to toe, they've got more talent than Boise State. If Boise State does come into Jacksonville and beat them, uh go ahead and hit the bannock button for Willie Taggart because the fan base is going to want to get him out of there as soon as possible. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's not going to be a lot of patience there this year. Uh, Virginia at Pittsburgh, another very early ACC network matchup. AJ, what do you got? Uh, I know it's going to pay in you guys. I think Virginia is going to win. <laughs> I think they're going to win the Coastal this year, and I think it's going to start uh, week one with a big win over Pitt. Well, that's a hard disagree, yeah, Tim. How I, about you? Yeah, I, it's if the Cavs are, they're going to get beat. I don't think they're going to win the Coastal, but I do think that they're going to win this game. I think uh, Mark Whipple's got a lot ahead of him that he needs to work out with that offense, and I'm not sure Pickett is the guy to do it with. Um, yeah, I, I look for Narduzzi and the Pitt Panthers to take the L on this one. Yeah, I think Pitt's going to have a really difficult year. I mean. Anytime you're replacing four offensive linemen, two 1,000-yard backs, and you've got a guy coming off of the biggest game of his career who threw eight yards against that team, I'm a little bit concerned. And it's a team that did win the Coastal last season. Uh, they just lost their best defensive end to a season-ending injury. I think this team's in a little bit of a disarray right now, and I don't know if that's a uh, assault on Narduzzi. I'll go ahead and say it is because I'm not a huge fan of his. Uh, but I think I see... Pitt taking a huge step back this year. I think Virginia wins this game uh, relatively easily. I don't think it's going to be much of a uh, much of a fight for Pitt, but we'll see. Maybe we'll be surprised, but I still think one way or the other UVA Although, wins this one. We just want to shout out here uh, to our fan base. If you are a big fan of coaches acting ridiculously incredulous at every pass interference called on their team, uh, you're going to want to tune in and look at the dues on the sideline for this one. Actually, if I could just watch Pat Arduzzi on the sideline while watching Pitt games, I would be more interested in that than actually watching <laughs> the Pitt football team this year. Understandable. Because he is going to be fun to watch. Oh, he's going to he's gonna have a tough time this year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Notre Dame at Louisville. I don't know what the scheduling gods were thinking with this as the only matchup on Labor Day evening. I assume it's the only matchup. Uh, AJ, how many touchdowns does Louisville lose by? Uh, three. Um, Notre Dame's handbook is is gonna, but you know, I like Scott Satterfield. Satterfield, I think he's gonna be. Oh yeah, yeah. This oh, isn't a this too. isn't an assault on Satterfield. Yeah. I mean, they've got nothing to work with at this yeah. point. They, yeah, you know, Petrino left that covered very bare at almost every position. So he's gonna, I, I, you know, he's gonna take a step forward. And I think coaching alone, he'll win some games maybe this year that he doesn't expect. Cough, BC, cough. Um, but. You know, I don't think he's going to – a game – like, to start off against Notre Dame, they're going to they're gonna run all over him. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, Tim, I don't, yeah, I think you're probably in, in agreement oh, there. It, it, same, same thing. I mean, Petrino took his neck, neck brace and hopped on his chopper, got out of town and left nothing in those cupboards for that poor little football team. <laughs> um, there's nothing there for them, sadly, right now. And that's like you said, that's not an indictment on Satterfield. I am way high. I'm buying on Satterfield all the way. Um, I think he's made some really smart hires in the off season on that coaching staff, but yeah, it's not going to happen against Notre Dame. They're going to lose by at least four touchdowns in my mind. Okay, and Virginia Tech, Boston College, big game to get the ACC kicked off. I'd say it's probably the biggest game in the ACC as far as conference matchups the entire week. Um, You know, Virginia Pitt Pitt is, I'm not sure it's a huge matchup just with where we expect Pitt to finish up this year. But AJ, give us your your pick and why. Oh, man, you got to make me do this. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna put on my Homer glasses a little bit here. Um, I, you know, the best player on the field's on BC. I think AJ Dillon, um, if he's healthy. Uh, last year, that last game where they played Boise State, he went against a good defense and he looked he looked like he was ready to run for 400 yards. Um, I think he'll do just enough. I'm gonna take BC by three. Okay, it's gonna be a close one, huh? Yeah, I, yeah, I think, and I think it's going to be an offensive showdown. I think Ryan Willis is going to score a bunch of points uh, and take advantage of that, but I think BC is going to be able to move the ball as well. All right, Tim, who do you got? Um, I, I'm going to be a little different here. Surprise! Uh, we're all wearing different Homer glasses in this case. I think the biggest mismatch on the field is going to be the Virginia Tech wide receivers versus the defensive backs of BC. I think that's going to create problems for BC. I will say I am very concerned with the interior of the Hokies' defensive line against Dylan. Um, you know, as, as strong and as powerful of his back as he is and the struggles that the Hokies had last year definitely have me concerned. I don't think that this is going to be, you know, some kind of blowout. It's going to be a tight game. I'll take Virginia Tech by a touchdown. Um, but I do see the opportunity there for Virginia Tech on offense to take advantage of those uh, defensive backs. Dylan is going to be key to stop. I think Virginia Tech does have the linebacker talent to deal with him this year in a much better way. Um, so, yeah, I expect the Hokies to win by a touchdown, but n- nothing more than that. Uh, I'm going Virginia Tech as well. You know, right now the spread is two and a half. Again, that's August 15th. You know, there's still a lot of uh, decisions to be made around the Virginia Tech offense and defense. Same for Boston College as to who the starters are going to be. Um, I just think at the end of the day, like even if this does get into a uh, into a shootout type of situation, if Boston College is keeping pace with Virginia Tech, that is not going to mean great things in my book for the Virginia Tech defense this year. I just think, I just think uh, defensively, I'm expecting a little more out of Virginia Tech this year. I'm Even hoping. though they were pretty bad, you know, there was a pretty damning article that came out today from Sports Illustrated that just showed kind of the disarray that was going on, and you know the cancers that have basically been removed from the locker room, and how this year's a little bit different. You know, I think that's something to actually consider, and it seems that this team's a little bit more unified. Offensively, I think Virginia Tech's going to be really good, and I just don't see it there for the Boston College defense this year. You know, it's week one. I wouldn't get too high or low either way, uh, but I think I like Virginia Tech by 10-plus uh, by points in this one. Although, remember, Justin, that article you mentioned, the solution was as simple as turkey bacon and orange cleats. <laughs> Those were just two of the uh, minor examples, Tim. That's no, all. Let's, let's not take <laughs> let's not take information out of context there. Oh, all right. Man. So either way, uh, AJ, I'm sure you're looking as forward to the football season as we are. It's it's almost here. You know, just a few more days, and uh, yeah, really appreciate you coming on. And uh, absolutely. You know, hope to have you on again, um, maybe a little bit later in the season, and talking about bowl season. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys for having me on. It's been a lot of fun. Um, I, mean, I am looking forward to this game. Um, I, it's exciting to not have, I mean, every year it's always like UMass or Holy Cross or some, you know, it's always like a F, like lower. Old yeah. I'd have like a real game to start the year off. Um, I'm excited to see this and hopefully it'll be a good game. That's all yeah. I think the watchability, too, is pretty high for people that aren't rooting for BC or Virginia Tech, uh, any other ACC fans. I think this is one of those games you're going to want to tune in on. I do think it's going to be fairly close, and it's certainly teams that have history, so that's always fun. All right, remember, be sure to go check out bcmaven.com. I think that's the URL. It's actually, uh, hold on, 
<laughs> I have to look it up every time because it's so convoluted. <laughs> it's convoluted. It's like, uh, hold on, let me get, let me get it up. I don't even know my own. <laughs> I don't even know my own URL. How about What's you can follow? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at BC Hysteria or my site at Maven underscore BC. That's the easiest way to find us. Just know that in a couple weeks you'll be able to find us on Sports Illustrated. It makes life a lot easier. Awesome. We'll be looking out out for that. Thanks again, AJ. All right. Thanks, guys. Okay, so thanks again to AJ Black of BC Maven. Be sure to go check out that URL that he dropped there. I'm not going to try to repeat it. It's a uh, it's a lengthy one, but uh, you can follow him on Twitter as well at BC Maven. Uh, Tim, what are your uh, what are your final thoughts as we head into the real week one here? Just let's get get after it, man. Uh, my my final thoughts thoughts are I'm I'm excited to have the chance to go one and zero in the ACC this early in the season and maybe put the pressure on some other teams uh, in our division. Uh, but, you know, there's also that anxiety creeping in. Usually you get to ease into ACC play. Um, there's going to be a lot of nerves on the line going against BC. That's a huge game. It is a big game, big game for multiple reasons. You know, what is this defense going to look like for the Hokies? Uh, they've got 10 returning guys, but still a lot of question marks, still a lot of uh, young guys in that defense. But, uh, it's either going to kind of leave us, you know, ready to go or, or I mean, a little bit excited or uh, leaving us with a, um, a lot of question marks and maybe anxiety heading into uh, the rest of the schedule there in, in September. But, you know, one thing for sure, Tim, uh, we're excited. I think really the goal for every team in the Coastal, not just Virginia Tech, Virginia and Miami, it's just to win the Coastal. So... You know, you're not expected to really do any more this season other than compete for the Coastal Division. National Championship's not really on the line. You know, you're looking to improve your program, you know, bolster your your resume for recruits, and uh, get a a good bowl game. Build some momentum for next year. Got a lot of young football teams. Uh, Anything can really happen this year. It's going to be fun to watch. And, uh, yeah, I just – I'll go ahead and – and throw my thoughts out there. I just hope Virginia Tech comes out on top. So I don't think it's any secret which uh, which way we which way we fall. But um, that's that's it for for this show. That's it for week one or week one preview. Uh, like I said, we will be back to you uh, after these games next week, and then we will preview week two in college football. So uh, once again, we're Chowder and Grits, the podcast for ACC and Hokies football. You can listen to us in a variety of ways. Apple Podcasts is probably the preferred method, but you can find us on Spotify, Google Play Store, TuneIn Radio, and Stitcher. And, uh, of course, follow us on Twitter, at Chowder and Grits. Tim, why don't you uh, tell these fine people what they can do for us? Share our content. Shoot us some retweets. Uh, share some messages on Facebook. Leave us some reviews. It's helping. Uh, the reviews are looking pretty good on Apple Podcasts, so keep that trending in the right direction. Helps our visibility with potential fans and, and helps us in our outreach. Again, you know, follow uh, Chatter and Grits, obviously, on Twitter, but also give Justin Cochiola a follow on or at It's Cochiola, I-T-S-C-O-A-C-H-I-O-L-A uh, on Twitter, and you can follow me at Timmy Jim on Twitter. Do it. Uh, we look forward to interacting with you guys throughout the season, maybe live tweeting of some college football games. Um, not that that's a departure from the norm. We'll just be doing it on a, uh, a show account as opposed to a personal account. So we look forward to doing that and uh, look forward to pumping out content all year. See you guys later.